Okay, so yes, hello for anybody who is joining us tonight on our monthly Tipsy Ellipses episode. For those of you who are listening to the podcast version of this, just want to let you know that this is not our typical structure of the mom and dot 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 podcast. This is a little more loosey goosey. And whereas in our typical mom and dot 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 podcast episodes, we we interview career coaches and life coaches trying to get some tips about how to live in your ellipses um, and all the things outside of your definition of mom. We also like to take an opportunity once a month to do a Facebook Live for our Tipsy Ellipses episode where we interview and we talk to some women who are doing amazing things in their ellipses, um, who may not necessarily be career coaches, but can kind of coach us in just the way that they approach their life and uh, do interesting things. So that is what we're doing here. But just wanted to let you know, uh, if you have any little ones listening, we don't guarantee. Mm-mm. <laughs> we can try to bleep some things after the fact. Um, but yeah, this is a little less structured and a little more fun yeah. than some of our typical episodes. But I uh, just wanted to let you know that before we jump into it. And we are so excited to have Simone with us tonight, who is, this is your first book, right? Yes, my your, debut novel. Your debut novel, Man Flu, which... Is just first of all, just from two writers, we salute you for getting yes. for getting a book done. Congratulations! Yes, yes, Can we cheers yes. to that. Cheers, cheers. <laughs> but also in a pandemic, which not necessarily the best time to be writing, no. finishing, publishing, promoting a book. So that is super tough. Good, good for you to be doing that, but also your book is about a pandemic. <laughs> So yes, okay. Yeah. So we do want to hear about your pen name, but I do want to just that my number one thing is just like where where exactly in the timeline of like were you writing, were you promoting, or when did COVID come into your life during this time when your life was in this book about a yeah. not too far from COVID <laughs> uh, pandemic? That was my was main question on. as I read. I kept thinking like. When did she write this part? So yes, yeah. tell us all about the timeline and about your pen name in whichever order you want to tell us. Okay, yeah, I have so so many things to talk to you about. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm a huge fan. Uh, it's really exciting to talk to both of you. This is going to be so much fun. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me tell you about the timeline of everything. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, yes. okay great. Um, so the timeline is I started writing this book in the summer of 2019 and Uh, So that was well before COVID, well before anyone was talking about any kind of pandemic. And my thought process at that time was more on the, along the lines of the Me Too movement and how every day there was just another man in power screwing things up. (laughs) I was like, can we get rid of these guys and let women have a turn? I mean, seriously, (laughs) not all men, but you know, it was just dominating the news. It really was. Yeah. So I was looking for a way to move men aside and see what would happen if women had a chance to run things. That was the the thinking behind the book, yeah. not a pandemic. I mean, that was just the the way to do it. Yeah, so right. I started writing that, um, getting really into all the pandemic stuff in the fall of 2019, and I decided to go to a writing conference in February of 2020. Oh which dear. Tur- which turned out, <laughs> yeah, it turned out to be the last trip. I think. Yeah. Before yeah. everything I shut hope down. It was fun. <laughs> What's that? I hope it was fun. It was a great conference. Yeah. <laughs> and it was my family wasn't there, no kids. So perfect time to kick back and and get into writing and meeting people. And that's where I met my publisher. And the publisher was so excited. She said, You have to write this quickly because it's so timely. We had just started hearing reports about this pandemic in yeah. Asia, but it wasn't in the US yet. Yes. And so I came away. As people do in general, when you come out of a conference, usually you feel really energized and motivated. And I was even more so just because I had gotten that encouragement that my topic was timely and people would want to read about it. And I really buckled down and and got it done. And that was a really crazy time for me personally also, because in the spring of 2020, when I was doing the bulk of my writing, um, I, I oh, just to back up, I work at a nonprofit in my day job. 
in Silicon Valley. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. 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 And so we were seeing all these clients come in. We had about 1,300 new client households come in in the first few months of the pandemic looking for food, looking for rental assistance. I was working in the food pantry. Normally I'm a number cruncher, but it was all hands on deck. So I was helping out in the food pantry and then going home, sanitizing everything, trying to deal with my kids who were off of school and still wanting to get this book done. So it was an absolutely crazy time in my life. Uh, Yeah. What You're officially schedule? superhuman. Yeah. <laughs> I am in awe. Yeah, we do want to hear your yeah, whole schedule. Yeah, I want to hear about that schedule. Tell yeah, us. one of our favorite podcasts is the hashtag am writing, and they talk about getting your butt in the chair and getting the work done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that seems like a really aggressive timeline. So what did that really look like? You said the bulk of your writing was done the spring of 2020. Yes. Uh, well, just to be totally transparent. I did have childcare at that time. I was super lucky that I had an au pair. And that's a program where people, uh, a young person will come from abroad and live in your home and provide childcare. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we had a young man living with us from Spain and he was able to to continue with the childcare. He he just left in February because his time was up. um, And it was like panic because I had had childcare this whole time. And then, oh my gosh, you know, he was leaving. What do I do now? Well, now Um, how did COVID impact that too? Like was he was there, was it that, did he stay that long because he could not leave? Or um, was that a planned timeline that he was gonna be staying with you? He was a prisoner in the United States. (laughs) No, he he wasn't a prisoner. Um, he, He was able to actually extend his time with us. The program's supposed to be a maximum of two years, but he extended it a few months longer and that was um, a feature of the program. They were allowing people to do that because okay. they, everything was so crazy. And he didn't, know, I mean, he's from Spain. Sp- Spain was hit really hard by the oh, pandemic. Yeah. So he didn't want to go back in the middle of that. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, but even, okay. I appreciate that you tried to put an asterisk there and say that you had to, <laughs> but, but still, but still, <laughs> right. but still, even even if you're Stephen King and have like your day carved out and your nap schedule in the afternoon. That's, that's still an aggressive timeline. That's line. an aggressive timeline. So like when when did the book wrap up and the time, the publishing and all that uh, after the end? Well, I mean, I had a, a, a big chunk of it already done. So I set myself uh, a pretty reasonable timeline, I think, just because I knew I wasn't going to be able to be writing thousands of words every day. I, and also it was supposed to be fun. You know, yeah. it wasn't, this was my bucket list item of writing a novel, something I always wanted to do. And I had this idea and I knew I could get it done. So, I mean, you know, it was my opportunity to do it, but at the same time it was supposed to be fun. So I wasn't going to set something, some kind of really insane timeline. And I just said to myself, let's just try to get a thousand words done every week, not even every day, every week. Oh, wow. Very reasonable, you know, and, but with that kind of timeline, I would find myself sometimes doing more. And I'm not the type of person who wants to force myself to write every day because life happens. I have two kids, they're seven and 10 right now. But when this was going on, you know, they were five and eight, any number of things can come up. So I I, I believe in really being gentle with yourself and and setting reasonable goals. And then you can always go past it. But to set a goal that you have to stretch to meet every week, that just seems unpleasant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, yeah. And well, you mentioned that so this was a fun thing for you. Yeah. Or is something that you would like to do another book? Or was this just kind of this one thing that you were just like, oh, I've got this fun idea and I just want to get it out? I um I've always been a massive reader, the type of kid who checked out the maximum number of library books every week and read all of them and you know went back the next week to get another set, reading in the adult section when I was pretty young. Um, so reading has always been big in my life, but writing, um, I'm, I don't have a a writing background. I'm not like an English major or anything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really start writing until after the 2016 election. Uh, And, and I wrote to deal with my emotions. I was so angry and I, we don't have to get too political here, but I was so angry. (laughs) completely understand. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm still working through things. Yeah. Yes. So that was how I managed my feelings. I just poured things out onto the page and I, I wrote something then, and then kind of set things aside and then had this idea and uh, went with it. 
And then I've also been writing essays. So that's something that I plan to continue with. Um, I had one published recently on Scary Mommy, which was really exciting. Right, that's really right, that's good. right, yes. Yeah, um, and I've been writing about gender and motherhood and all kinds of topics. And and that kind of relates to the book too with my perspective on, on gender. Um, so I, I'm at this stage where I'm kind of figuring it out and just, you know, people will say, just keep writing, you know, so I'm in that just keep writing stage and I don't, I'm not totally sure what's gonna happen with it. Maybe it'll be another book or maybe it'll be more of these short pieces, but I'm trying to enjoy it and, and connect with, with people who are interested in my writing. Uh, that's the stage I'm in right now. Yeah. Oh, well, good for you. And we love yeah. our friends over at Scary Mommy. Yes. Samantha and team are just amazing. Yes. Oh, I didn't tell you my pen name story. I could tell oh, you yes. that before oh, yes. I forget. <laughs> yeah, I just realized. Yeah. So my uh, pen name, it's, uh, so, so part of the inspiration for my book is The Handmaid's Tale. And the characters in that story, well, the handmaids have the name of husband's yep. name, like Offred of Fred. Yes. Um, so my pen name kind of plays on that. When I got married, I didn't take my husband's last name, but my pen name is what my married name would be. And it's because he's from a Spanish speaking country. It's of his last name. That's how they do it in Spanish speaking countries. I love it. Oh, I'm going to be Suzanne de Kearns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's kind of subversive to take my husband's name as a pen name when I didn't do it normally, you know, yeah. <laughs> to do it as a choice. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Well, and I, I do too. want to talk a little bit about, cause we're kind of, we're skirting around the subject matter of the book. So yeah. Yeah. obviously we've talked about it being a pandemic, but it's a pandemic that only affects dudes. Right. Like <laughs> women get sick, but it's kind of like some people with COVID would get the symptoms and it's like it'd, cold it'd be, like, be like a cold. So women can get that, but the men get really sick and can't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the men are, are brutally affected by man flu. They're either weakened or killed. Uh, the main character's husband is bedbound, and she has to take care of him while also going into her job at the lab searching for a vaccine. And not many people want the vaccine because they're sort of happy with having men be weak or non-existent. And so that's an uphill battle for her in her job. But she she wants she wants to save men. And, and she, of course, has struggles with that. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to give away spoilers. Yeah. My, one of my favorite things about it was that people were so happy with how things were and women were so much themselves. Yes. They're like, we can go out at night and just not have that to kind worry. of made my stomach flip. I like, know. I don't want to, again, I don't want to give a spoiler, but just thinking about how much fear was eliminated from their lives and just hassle. Like there's yeah. a lot of hassle that was just. Yeah. Gone. And without the money going to, towards wars, they were able to put it towards infrastructure, infrastructure <laughs> yeah. and family. Yeah. And yeah so I have, I have a public policy background. I have a master's in public policy and that informed the direction of the book also, because I used to work on, on the federal budget and I just couldn't believe how much money was going to the military. And yeah. then the other large piece is the interest on the debt, which is such a waste of money. I mean, as a, person running a household, you wouldn't run up our debt, you know, forever and ever, and then have to pay the interest. I mean, at some point you would realize that maybe that's not the smartest way to run your household, but that's how we run our country. Uh, yeah. 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 We shame people who have credit card debt. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we live in massive debt nationally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I just love, I just love just kind of that. Yeah. Let's do the mental exercise of what would that be what would like? It be like? And magical minus the yes. nobody to have any relations with <laughs> yes. they got creative they, they did get creative, creative. <laughs> yeah. it's a trade-off uh, yes no, but, i mean in many days you're like all right <laughs> no, we're pretty lucky that we we've got husbands that we would be like oh no we actually want to hang out with us can we just <laughs> we want the vaccine for them but yeah. i love the timeline of the vaccine in the story too because i mean i think that just does really point out like how fast this turnaround was for our actual vaccine that we have. Cause in reality, yeah. it wouldn't have been like, you know, upwards of a decade of 
waiting for it. You know, luckily we had had a lot, we had a pretty darn good running start with some yes, of the vaccine luckily, stuff yeah. that was already being done for yeah. this type of virus, whatever. Right. Um, but it's just kind of an interesting timeline. And because, yeah, and that part of it is just there wasn't any rush, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, um, well, luckily one of my, best friends is a pediatrician. And I would ask her all these kinds of questions on any medical issues. And that was one of the things I asked her, especially as we saw what was happening with COVID. And I was thinking, oh, should I change things in the book? You know, is this still going to make sense? And she said, no, that that is usually how long it takes for vaccines to be developed. You know, it could be 10 years. And especially if nobody's throwing a bunch of money at it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. how how did COVID changed because you probably had a trajectory. It was a different kind of virus. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a Corona. Uh, so like, so did you feel like you needed to make any tweaks yeah. to make it more like relevant to coronavirus, or did you just sort of like, nope, I'm gonna stick with this this thread of uh, the direction I was going with my particular pandemic? Well, I mean, it, it pretty much fit anyway what I was already writing. I mean, <laughs> the the thing is that we've known about pandemics for a long time. This whole pandemic was not really a surprise. I mean, yeah. I don't know right. if you saw, there was that series on Netflix called Pandemic and it released in January of 2020. And the, the scientists knew absolutely everything that would happen. I mean, it was, none of it was a surprise from the yeah. animal to the human transmission to how it would affect different cities, travel. We knew all of this. So as mm -hmm. I, I was doing the research before, I mean, you know, my book was in line with what was happening, which was scary, but <laughs> none of this was really that much of a surprise. Right. Yes. Did you have people in your life coming to you for like expert advice, knowing that you were <laughs> kind of ahead of the curve? No, I didn't tell that many people what I was working on. It was a secret because I, I just didn't know if I would, you know, what, what if I would finish it or when, or I didn't want anyone to steal my idea. You know, I just was keeping right. it quiet. Yeah. Who did know? Like your spouse, uh, your partner? Yeah, a couple of friends. A couple of friends. My, yeah, yeah, my husband. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. It. Okay, so now you mentioned it because we do like to talk about the pivots that yeah. moms take in their lives from their career. And I just love that you are exploring all these different areas of your living in your ellipses um, yeah. and your dot, dot, dots. Um, so you mentioned you were you did some government work early on? Like, what does that timeline look like for your career and the changes you made along the way? So I have an econ degree. And then after that, I worked in Washington, D.C. at the Brookings Institution. And yeah. I was working on, I was doing policy research. So part of that was analyzing the federal budget and making recommendations, which of course, politicians completely ignored. <laughs> if only they had taken our ideas, you know, we'd be in way better shape right now. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Then I went to grad school for my master's in public policy. And that's when I moved back to California. I'm from California originally. Okay. Um, let's see. Then I got married and my husband's in tech. And we did an expat stint in um, Switzerland in, uh, in tech roles at that time. Ooh, how which long was, was that? really fun. We were there for a year and a half. Wow. Oh, sounds amazing. Yes. Yeah. And then I got back and I worked for a federal government contractor doing um, customer satisfaction. And one of our clients was the IRS. So imagine doing customer satisfaction for the IRS. <laughs> every day just a beat down? <laughs> no, it was, well, so what happened was at some point, I think it was in the nineties, um, somebody in Congress got a call from, you know, the typical little old lady complaining that the IRS was mean to her. And they had, hear they had hearings in Congress about, the IRS needs to improve their customer satisfaction. You know, the little old ladies are complaining. Mm -hmm. um, and the firm that I ended up working for, they were in the right place at the right time and got all these customer satisfaction contracts. Yeah. So ended up working with all these different federal agencies, doing surveys to measure satisfaction and then recommendations on improving their customer satisfaction. So they were, so the IRS was pretty invested because they had to report to Congress or they still do on their customer satisfaction every year. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I'm going to test them. <laughs> you may get surveys and they, yeah, some where of them do I from, them? are very unsatisfied with what I had to pay them this year. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, they, we try to make people separate the, that part from the customer, you know, from customer satisfaction. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry that you had to pay so much and sorry that we took so long on the phone, but <laughs> apart from that. Yes. No, we, did, we didn't yell at you, right? We didn't, <laughs> we didn't call you any names. Right. I mean, really. But um, after a couple of years of that, well, actually I had my, um, my older son while I was working there and then I went to, to 50% time. So that, it was great that that company allowed me to do that and keep going into the office. And my schedule was really flexible. Like sometimes I worked half days or sometimes I worked a little bit more and had Fridays off. They were really, really nice. And the good thing also was that it was consulting, but it wasn't a, the type of consulting where there's a lot of travel. There was occasional travel to yeah. um, Atlanta or DC, but not like the type of consulting where you're on the client site, you know, a, for four days out of the week. Uh, that yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't have been able to do that with yeah, a family. That's a real challenge. That's a real challenge. And I'm curious, what was your leadership like at that company? You say they were really great and flexible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like working for... Or were they, you knew they were going to be okay? I, I knew. I mean, I, it was a small company, which I think can be really helpful. And yeah. the owners were these, they, they were two men who met at Stanford, um, but they always had a very family-friendly environment. And then there were a lot of women in their positions. My bosses were always women, and they had different schedules also for their own childcare yeah. needs. So I, I knew that it was going to be a family-friendly spot. It was just wasn't an issue. But I did get tired of doing kind of the same customer satisfaction work all the time. I was there for about six years. And then oh. I, when my second son was born, I just couldn't handle it. <laughs> I had to take some time <laughs> off. There was no way I could keep working and have my husband with his busy tech job and have the two kids is just yeah. and right. not sleeping. My kids were just terrible sleepers. <laughs> so... Um, yeah and then they're 15 I my daughter doesn't come up <laughs> right then they're like up for air until expert noon. sleepers <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 getting there I don't, yeah not yet I thought but. it never happened in our life <laughs> never I had both of my children in fact my youngest is 12 and he still pretty much is up at seven no matter what's happening yeah but both of them were always like, it didn't matter. We could put them to bed at 6 p.m. and they'd be up at 6.30 a.m. Or we could put them to bed at midnight and they'd be up at 6.30 a.m. Yep. So we put them to bed at 6 p.m. So we'd have some time. <laughs> but I thought they would never sleep in. And then those puberty hits and then. Yeah. Actually, my, my younger son is the opposite. He's only seven, but he could party all night long. He <laughs> He's up. It's like 10 p.m. And I'm telling him, can I go to bed? I don't care if you say I want to go to bed. I'm out. <laughs> don't touch mommy again. Yeah. <laughs> he is a party animal. Okay. So now the, you had the survey job in your second uh, child. Yeah. Did that, you took some time off. How much time were you off then? I was off for a little over two years. And when I went back, I really wanted to do something more meaningful. I just didn't want to go back to kind of the same old reports get those reports into the federal government clients anymore. I was over it. So I was looking around at nonprofits and doing some networking for that type of job. And that's where I landed at where I currently work. And I, the first job I took there was running um, a diabetes prevention program. Oh, wonderful. Which, yeah, it was, it's a great opportunity for me. My dad has diabetes and it, um, I was always interested in life changes and helping people. Um, yeah become healthier and get their numbers down without medication or just not having to take as much medication. Um, yeah. My stepfather yeah. had uh, diabetes for years and years. And as, as happens sometimes, he actually had to have uh, one leg and then a couple of years later, the second leg amputated, but yeah. had not made uh, the lifestyle changes probably that a program like that encourages. So I think that's wonderful to try to, to help people. Yeah, we had really great results from that program. Um, it was it was very gratifying work, and also getting getting to do direct service with clients, which I hadn't done before because I had never worked at a nonprofit. So I did that for two years. But while I was doing that, I um, would help people with analysis that they needed done because that's my background, yeah. and that that kind of turned into its own job. So I moved into an analyst role, which I'm doing now. So do you do? I'm trying to remember your bio which we did a bad job of reading her bio at the beginning we may have to read that when we, <laughs> we when we post this we we'll didn't put it in. read it at all <laughs> we were you were so excited about my pen name that we just skipped we all that. So <laughs> <excited>. <laughs> we 
And you know what? Total aside, we've never been in the same room for a recording. I know. This is very... Wow. But we're probably, as excited as we are, we're probably going to mess some stuff up because it's just (laughs) like, wait, how do we do this together? Um, Yes, we've never been together. So this is a historic moment. Um, But I was trying to remember, you do other advocacy work outside of your job. And I think a lot of your writing has been very advocacy-based. Yes. um, we did want to ask you about that, especially your piece on scary mommy. Like where, where did that, like, where's your heart for that come from? Why is that something you love writing about? I, I guess I've been thinking a lot lately about parenting and how I do things differently from my parents. Um, mm. Hopefully they're not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> we like, oh, this part out. Yeah. Oh wait, we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so not not in like a judgmental way because things were different then, you know, but um, more in a how can we move forward as parents in a way that's going to better serve our children and better serve the world. So yeah. I've been, yeah. I guess that's the through line through a lot of the pieces that I've been writing lately. You know, the, that one for Scary Mommy was about talking to kids about sex and how in my house it was like, don't do it. Or, you know, you're allowed to date when you're 25, which is just not realistic and not helpful. And also, I'm the type of person that if you tell me not to do something, I just want to do it more. (laughs) (laughs) Not effective. I love that you do that. In fact, I started a group, um, gosh, is it three years ago already? Um, Called Informed Parents of Austin, which started, there was a group um, (laughs) that... (laughs) was very Mm anti-LGBTQ, anti-sex ed. They were saying that the school district was trying to indoctrinate children into the the gay lifestyle by teaching them comprehensive sex ed. That whole concept of if they hear about it, then they'll be it. Yeah, it's super irrational. Um, So yeah, we started this group to counteract that and fight for comprehensive and LGBTQ inclusive sex ed in our school district. And it took Two years, and it still has not been taught. By the time we finally, the school board voted unanimously in favor of it, um, but then COVID came. Yeah, um, and then yeah, it was it's too tricky to uh, teach online just because with virtual school you can't guarantee what age group, and you want to be considered about which age group is watching, and you know if everybody's doing virtual school in the same room. But right. so this year is supposed to be the year. Um, so yeah, so grades three through eight in Austin ISD we'll now have learned something. Yeah, cheers. Well, hopefully. Cheers. Yes. That's great. That's really good work on your part. Whoa. So you be proud of yourself. And there was a ton of people before me who had started it. Texas, they have a SHAC, a school health advisory council mm-hmm. that has to make these recommendations to do comprehensive sex ed. Um, or to do any type of sex ed. I mean, the fact is across Texas, just trying to get anything that is not just abstinence-based is a huge fight. Um, The fact that ours is LGBTQ inclusive, all the other districts are like, whoa, how did you you do that? Um, But yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then uh, we we were just part of, uh, the district did a huge pride initiative last year. We rolled it out virtually this year. Um, so I just love that you are spreading that message also. It's something that is nearest and dearest to my heart, taking the shame away from whether it be cishet sex or LGBTQ sex, just sex was very shameful. Yeah. It was a topic that people did not discuss openly. You discuss it secretly with your friends and, um, get a lot of misinformation, a lot of misinformation. And I just have always wanted for my kids not to grow up with that level of shame that it's, I just, I don't know. I don't want them to feel like it's a secret thing. I want them to do it in private, but I don't <laughs> want it to be like a shameful secret thing. I don't want to know about it actually, but um, yeah, it's just such a different way of teaching and thinking about it. So I think we really relate to your wanting to do things a little differently. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand who thought abstinence-only education was a good idea, and it blows my mind that that's still being taught. Maybe because I'm in oh. California and things are different here, but that's just crazy. Oh, you crazy. watch out! <laughs> you watch out! The, there is another group, and they are the they have they stole our informed name because they were trying to trick people 
into thinking that the other groups were oh, informed you? parents. Yeah. So there's an informed parents of California. There's an informed parents of San Diego because they're basically like, oh, do people think the informed parents are nice? We're going to do this, but it's all they are trying to trick people. The informed parents of Austin is the only truly. So all informed, the other informed parents informed. are wanting the abstinence. Yeah. Wow. But they're, they try to do a little switcheroo. Wow. And someone in my old neighborhood here in Austin tried to do it for the one in Austin and actually tried to do a second informed parents of Austin. And then even a bunch of her friends are like, no, informed that, parents of Austin too. Yeah. They're, they're like, that's it. Electric boogaloo. Yeah. They're oh, like, that's, just... you've got to maybe just want to take that down. That's a bad idea. <laughs> So, so yes, crazy. welcome oh. to Texas. Welcome to Texas. I mean, so, I don't people. I don't. I'm. I still. I can't even talk because I get so annoyed. Right. Like, <laughs> why don't people look at data? Because there's clear data that that type of sex education just doesn't work. It doesn't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. No. It increases teen pregnancy rates, STD rates, yeah. all of that. So, why keep doing something that doesn't work? Why don't people look at? data. I'm such a data person that I can't even comprehend. People who wouldn't look at the data around COVID. Or yeah. Yes. yes. Or yeah. Or, they, oh. they don't trust it. They don't believe it. It's just, it's crazy. we want to give them the man flu. Well, and just, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up my sex edge bill with this. You're talking about data. I got to send you and maybe we'll be even put it in the show notes. It's not even just the data scientifically that this works and that this makes sense. And this is the information medically based that children of all ages need. The data of parent, we have surveyed over 5,000, I think it was like 5,600 parents in Austin ISD from grades K through, I think it was K through eight, um, about what kind of topics they wanted their kids to learn about. We're talking in the 80s and 90% that want their kids to know about gender identities and want them to know about contraception and want them to know about medically based information. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you would think in Texas, I was really shocked. I thought yeah. like, if we can get 50% of the parents to agree, like that'll but be really I think exciting. It's often the, there's a vocal minority. There is squeaky really wheel syndrome. Squeaky. squeaky wheel syndrome. Really squeaky. But okay, now talk about now since we're on the sexy talk. <laughs> what is it like to write the sexy? I know that's what I was talking about. <laughs> that was actually the hardest part of the book, I will say. I had to read romance novels and I don't normally read a lot of romance novels but I had right. to kind of gather data yes. <laughs> so it's you know the quality of of sex scenes across books varies a lot and so some of the books I was reading had these ridiculous sex scenes I mean ridiculous and I remember one that I was reading and I was texting my friend like direct quotes from the sex scene <laughs> so bad like have you ever said this <laughs> have you ever oh my god <laughs> So yeah, that was hard. And then, um, no pun intended, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drinking <laughs> water, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so I, but something that's critical and you're both writers. So, you know, here's my writing tip about that is you don't just have a sex scene to have a sex scene. It has to move the plot forward and it has to show something about the characters so yeah. once I got into that mindset it made writing the sex scenes a lot easier you know yeah. it's like are they acting in a way that's consistent with their characters what does this say about the story what's happening in the plot as a result so I went into it with that in mind and then and then it flowed better oh. um but uh I think my husband has not read that part and my mom <laughs> has not read that part <laughs> because I I have written a rough draft of a novel. I've never rewritten it. It needs a lot of rewriting. But that's those are the parts I really struggle. And one of the reasons I'm not happy with the book is she feels really inauthentic. She doesn't feel like a grown woman because she's not having grown up activities. Uh, and um, you can say sex, <laughs> but it feels. I don't mind the idea of writing it. I really struggle with the idea of somebody else reading it. Oh, I I read a sex scene that my father in law wrote. <laughs> How is that? Oh, yeah, he <laughs> he's an amazing writer and he writes, it's almost kind of like um not James Bondy. It's like uh it's like political thrillers. It is. Yeah. He used to work for like FBI 
And so he knows a thing or two about the stuff that he actually writes about. But yeah. yeah, so it's this guy who's like just solving problems across the world. And, you know, so he, but he's got kind of the James Bondy, like, you know, love interests on the side, but really, mm -hmm. really good books. Art, Art Kearns, go read him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he's got like the, the African contract. There are all kinds of these contracts, the Riviera contract. And so, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Very, very good. So was it awkward to read the sex scene that your father-in-law wrote? You know what? I was, I do a lot of audiobooks mm -hmm. and I was painting our banisters while I was listening to it. And so I was like, hand paint, whatever. And it was one of these things, like my phone was downstairs and I was like, I shouldn't be listening to this. But I was trying to something else with it. Was, it was oil-based, really dark gray paint. So I like, I didn't want to go run across our white carpet with it. So I was like, I guess I'm just here. I'm riding it now. <laughs> I'm just going to sink into it. Oh, oh, no, but it's so funny because uh, I've got some friends who they do a really amazing podcast called Mom Mom Writes. Mom Writes, not yeah. Mom's Right. Mom Writes. Yeah. Um, and Melanie, one of the books that she is two moms who they were in various stages of writing their very first novels. And they had um, Jenny Nash from Author Accelerator come in and do a coaching program and basically coach them through a year of podcasts about going through their books. Um, and then, so Melanie had a section of her book where it, it started to be love scenes and she was just like, no, I can't even like, Do it. no, turn off the lights. Like don't want to talk about it. And so they actually yeah. had a really great episode. I, I should have heard that episode. I love we'll that tell, podcast, but I'm going yeah, we'll to need to find link to it. They had an episode where, so, or maybe it was hashtag ever writing. I feel like it was mom rights. They brought um, someone in that specifically is really good, a coach that's really good at love scenes to come and walk Melanie through it and whatever. So it was just, it's just kind of fun to think of like, okay, we got to let it all go. Well, I mean, as a writer, you don't have to write the open right. door scene. You could keep it closed door and hint at it. I mean, that's the preference of the writer, that's true. but I felt like it was important to the story. Otherwise I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was necessary in your book, I feel like, because it, that's a huge piece of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We like don't, we don't want to give anything away. Right. It's not necessarily a huge piece of what I'm writing. So maybe I can think about it in a different way. You'll just fade to black. Yeah. I just think I have this character who's so, she's so frigging nice. Oh, she and needs I, some trouble. She needs some, she, she can't be an actual living person. I mean, I know she's fictional, but <laughs> she can't be an actual living person with no no, she needs to make like some bad decisions to her. Yeah, she's got to make mistakes. She's got to rub people wrong sometimes. She's just got to like. She's just she's so nice. I think she's the person that like I wish I could be, but I realize no one wants to read her. I know. She's boring characters need flaws. They she needs do. some flaws. And I have such a hard time. I wanted to try to write fiction, and I call it being conflicted about conflict. I spend my entire life trying to avoid conflict. It's our Enneagram Nineness. Yeah, it's our Enneagram Nineness where we do not like conflict. Mm -hmm. We like to just like keep things smooth. So the fact that I would intentionally manufacture conflict, like my brain, it just it's really hard. It couldn't compute. It could not compute. Yeah. Yeah. I try to like write through it really fast, you know, and then it's not. Yeah. It's not good. But you you throw you throw your characters into all kinds of stuff. She has no problem going and playing that piano. And <laughs> well, it's like, what would she do right now that would be a bad idea? Okay, let's have her do that. Yeah. <laughs> she really did. She <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see that we don't we don't know all that much about you as a person. Like, is that how do you live your life compared to how how uh, <laughs> Your protagonist approaches situation. No, I'm probably more similar to the best friend character, the practical one that's like, yeah. what are you doing? This is what you have to do. Yeah, <laughs> I loved her. Yeah. Yes, I know. We relate. That's our, yeah. That's yeah. us too. Yeah. I got her so Oh, that's much. so fun though. But is that, especially because you said, you know, this book started not because you wanted to, you know, echo the pandemic issues, but that you were trying to addressed your me too fury yeah, which yeah. i think so many of us relate and with to. cosby right now oh my god oh, oh, yeah. oh i almost said that earlier but i did i just like <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. i know yeah britney spears 
cannot like have any control about her life but, but we Bill Cosby have you seen that meme going around where yeah. like everyone says we want free Britney and the universe is like the best I can give you is Cosby <laughs> no one asked you no. that no that's the opposite that's the opposite of what we want yeah, we, you're not listening no <sighs> but so did writing this was this cathartic was did this help kind of work through some of that or did you just did it make you more irritated with the status quo of manpower well i think we've we've gotten a lot farther along since yeah. Yeah. since all that was happening so i think that's helped i mean well the election obviously yes. <laughs> that was a huge weight off <laughs> yeah. yes yeah so i don't um, know if it was the book or just changing times and um hopefully some progress for society yeah i'm yeah. wondering like would you have been in the mind space to write this, finish this book, if the election had gone the other way. Mm. Like I'm well, curious. I'm curious. It, was, it was almost done by then. It was, no, I was in the was editing phase. done by then. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. Okay, that's true. I'm doing math. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, the fall of 2020 was the editing portion. And okay. then um, the early part of 2021 was the preparation for the book launch because it just came out in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just, I feel like by, I kind of like just kind of let go of the whole Trump thing. I'm just like, Biden's been our president all along, right? right? <laughs> but then it still pops up in the news and you're like, oh yeah, that really happened. Uh, that happened to us. I know, there's still, there. anyway. But so yes. what was it like, speaking of mom anding, um, doing your job, doing, being a mom, and then launching a book out into the world during this really crazy time? And we were sort of making our way and vaccines were happening. We were kind of coming out as much as we can, but it was still COVID times when the book was published. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's helping because it's relevant. So yeah. it's helping to get more attention to the book. Um, it was very stressful when my au pair left in February and the book was launching in March. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I'm not the best example for uh, stress management since I threw out my back and cracked a tooth like a week after my book launch. Oh, no. remember when you threw out your back. Yeah. yeah. And then I was at the dentist having a crown put in, listening to that episode you did with that, that woman, um, Christian Van, Van Ogtrop, who oh, yes, yes, wrote yes. that book about being middle-aged and having all these issues with your teeth. And I was like, yes, I'm at the dentist having a crown put in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 40. I turned 40 during the pandemic. Oh, it doesn't count since it was during the pandemic. So I'm, I'm right. still going to call right. it 39. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a great episode. Yeah. You're lucky when she, her dentist, well, she had a couple of dentist things that she and I shared the similar dentist thing, which was the slicing gum of your gum. Which, yeah. Yeah. She had said she was going to have the cadaver part put in there, but they took a chunk of the roof of my mouth and like glued it to my gums. Gross. It's so gross. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pitfalls of recording I, together. I, I know. I can show you the pivot in the top of my mouth. I'm yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you do not need to get too close to the camera. Cheese breath. Yeah. But no, so what does your promotion schedule look like? Are you doing primarily uh, virtual events, live events? I've, I've seen lots of articles uh, covering you, so that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just doing my best. Well, I publish with a hybrid publisher. So that's a different mm -hmm. challenge with marketing since they don't do as much marketing for you. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been having to do a lot myself, just getting my name out to different publications. I've had uh, profiles in a couple of local papers and trying to go on as many podcasts as possible. And then as things open up, hopefully I'll be able to do some book signings, but I haven't scheduled any yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Give you something to... Yeah, come out of the pandemic yeah. and the book pandemic with the signing. That'll yeah, be with a real celebration. Oh yeah, God. I mean the book the book launch party. I was just happy that my parents were able to come because oh. they were at that point they were already vaccinated, so we felt comfortable having them visit. But I mean, otherwise it was just going to be you know like me, my husband, my kids. <laughs> oh my! God. Yeah, yeah, we our friend Allison had that chronic <laughs> profit. Yeah, she did a virtual uh, book launch. <laughs> Really fun. She, it was had the, fun. she had the most amazing DJ yes. on too. 
Um, yes. And so he like he would have some stuff going. He was he would have an interactive like an interview with her, and then yeah. and then at the very end, it was just he put on some dance music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't want to do like a whole virtual launch event. I was just I was so zoomed out at that point. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know we're all. I know. Although I'm still kind of having fun with it. It lets us do this. And... Well, this is really fun. I'm yeah. excited to talk to you guys and like I this. Think, I think there's something so great about it from a being able to do more in less time because there are things you can do this way and you don't have travel time and you can have, we can talk to you and you're halfway across the country from us. And I, so I hope that part of it never goes away, but yeah, yeah I get the being zoomed out. Like, Things that can happen in person, I'm ready to be in person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Book signings are better in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of Virtual tough. book signings are very challenging. <laughs> and I had done like some author events, not me, the author, but like I've gone and listened to things where you would normally buy a ticket and see them somewhere at a venue in town. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same online. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, I, you still hear great information and I love hearing them speak and telling their stories, but it, I would rather be in a room. It's a yeah. different energy. Yeah. It is. It's a very different, but energy. it's a nice option though. Cause yeah. you can only go so many places. So if there's people yeah. over in Texas that want to hear more about you and want to do a launch thing, you're like, oh, I'm not going to Texas, yeah. Right. Yeah. which is a perfect, <laughs> can do this. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we got this in and we're coming up on our hour, but you're doing some book clubs, right? Yes. Book clubs are so fun. Thank you so much for mentioning that. I would love to do book clubs in Texas via Zoom. That's a good use of Zoom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did one. It was California, but it was still Zoom because it was pandemic times. Right. Um, yeah. And it was so good just to talk to people and answer their questions about the book. And there was one person in particular in the book club who really connected with the book. And it was so gratifying as an author to have that experience where she got it, you know, she really enjoyed it. She got what I was trying to say with it. And, you know, that's really what we're going for because, you know, as an author, you're not making millions of dollars. So (laughs) you got to take the victories. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't do this to be a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can be like me and just have your uh, book proposal that you worked on for three or four years. Or (laughs) the rough draft that never gets touched again for you. I mean, I finished it easily three years ago. Okay. But no, but that's why we love doing these tipsy ellipsy episodes. And we're starting to bring on more moms that are doing it. They're showing that you're showing that it's possible. Yeah, um, that, you know, you've got the job, you're finding a thousand words a week. I mean, that sounds, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be like, no, we got to get like 5,000 words a day or we're not really writers. But so many moms are like, no, I do, you know, a couple hundred words as my kid's soccer practice. And I do a couple hundred words while, you know, dinner's cooking. And then I do here and you you just got to work with what you got. And so, yes, it can be done. Well, yeah. So the way I came up with that number was, um, you know, NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writers Month in November. And the goal for that month is 50,000 words in a month. That was never going to happen for me. I couldn't write 50,000 words in a month. I don't have time for that. But I thought I could write 50,000 words in a year. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. If you write a thousand words a week, you'll get to 50,000 words in a year. Yeah. And so that's, that's a big chunk of a novel in a year. And that's not a bad timeline. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that I think that's that's great, great, great inspiration. Yeah, it really is, and it's great. And like, it's great for that mom. And a lot of our listeners are maybe stay-at-home moms, but a lot of them are also working and momming, and also have a lot of passions that they're trying to figure out how to fit in. Not like passions uh, in the book. <laughs> not those. Kind of, well, they might. They I might. Don't know. We don't know. Them might. All. Yeah, we don't know. We don't judge. We don't know them all. <laughs> you do you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, no spoilers. <laughs> I do want to know if there's a particular model that was based oh, off of. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you research? Oh, no, we're being off. Oh, really? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll leave that part. You got to read the book to understand, yes. y'all. Yes. <laughs> Although I bet they get it. Yeah, I think they get it. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm gonna sidetrack here totally for a while. But do you remember, and this was one of our wedding gifts, um, there used to be a wine opener and they may still have it called yes. a rabbit. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. And so, but there's also other the rabbit. there's other yeah. helpful tools that you might 
yeah. get as a wedding present <laughs> called a rabbit. But my mom was not aware of that. She's probably one of the viewers that is watching this live right now. <laughs> and she may not even realize this until today. But she she had said to God, was it to my brother or to whatever? But you know, they needed a they needed a corkscrew or whatever. And they're like, oh, you know what you need that Suzanne has? She's got this great like tool called the rabbit. <laughs> and you know, she loves it and it works really well. And like Without any context, that conversation is like, okay, well, all we got is that Suzanne has a tool called the rabbit that she loves. And so it works great. This? And it works great. I'm like, no, it's a wide opener. It goes like this. Someone bought it for a wedding gift. Ah. A similar but not the same thing. I have, have you seen those key rings? Like it's a big circle. Like you could wear it as a bracelet and your keys are on it. I don't know if either one of you have seen it. I, have I actually have one here in the house, but it's too far to go get. <laughs> but it's called the big O. <laughs> and so one day I was picking they named my that on purpose. Right. So when I'm picking my kids up at swim practice and I have it on my wrist. And so you can just carry that and not all your stuff. And um so I had that on my wrist and one of the swim coaches said, oh my gosh, I love it. Where do I where do I get it? And I said, I, I had gotten it as a gift, but I said, it's called the big O. So then like, I don't know, the next day or a day later, she pulled me aside and she was like, you have to Google the big O keychain. Don't just Google the, the big, big O. o. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a pretty surprising. <laughs> I've been flagged. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm glad I was on my home computer because she's a teacher. She's like, thank goodness oh, I was at home. <laughs> okay. Wow. Those are both great stories. Very funny. <laughs> I do love my keychain. It's, it's the best. You love your big O. I love my big O. I love my rabbit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How could you not love those things? Right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. We are officially getting towards the end of our hour. Yes. But So I just want to, okay. So we want to make sure that we talk about where people can yes. reach you. And since both of us read your book on our Kindles, can you hold up your copy? Yeah, man flu. Here you go. Thank you. I see it behind there. There it is. It's a great cover. You. Thank you. Is did you did you uh, you worked with a hybrid? Publisher. Yeah, the the publisher took care of the cover. Oh, they did take care of that. Yeah. They did awesome. a great job. I like it. Yeah. Oh, and I was actually going to make you feel better when you were saying, "Oh, you worked with a hybrid publisher. You had to do the promotion." For most of our friends that work with like traditional publishers. They're still, still promoting. They're still doing the most of their promotion. Yeah. So I don't think that's just a hybrid thing. I think that's just the state of publishing. Yeah. In it's really hard to get attention to anything. There's so much noise out there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, that's yes. why it's nice. You got the, got the angle there. Yeah. Yeah. So tell people where they can find you. Yeah. I'm on, well, my website is simondemunoz.com. I'm mostly on Instagram at simondemunoz. And I have a Facebook page also, but. Instagram is probably the best page, the best way to find me. Gotcha. All right. Perfect. And the book, I mean, the book you can get on Amazon. Can you, uh, do you have a preferred way that people go order the book? You can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere, but if you go to your local bookstore, they would, they can order it for you. They might not have it in stock, but they will order it. Oh, and wonderful. I bet that's helpful. I've heard that's helpful. If you like, if people out there who are listening want the book, it's, helps to go places and say, do you stock this? Because mm -hmm. I think that information goes back to the publisher that people are asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. And even if you request it from your local library, that's helpful too. Yeah. Oh, good. And okay. we just love also supporting our local booksellers. Yes. So a, yeah. Two birds, one stone there. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Good suggestion. Oh, well, thank did you guys, you. did you guys want to do the look, listen, learn? Because I had mine already. Or Oh my gosh, can you tell how crazy we've been today? We're oh, just like, today's been a zoo. Um, yeah, you can tell that I'm a fan because I remembered it. Yay! <laughs> and you did tell you told me you had them ready, and I forgot. okay, so. we, just, we know we've got a little time left. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm, should I do mine first since I'm yes. already? Yes. Okay. So the look is okay. It's I'm cheating a little bit because it's not on right now, but it's um, never have I ever. Have you guys seen that? No, no. but I've seen I've seen it. Wait, is it a on Netflix? It's on Netflix. The first season, the, well, the first season is out, but it's okay. uh, been out for a while. The second season will be out in two weeks, and I'm just counting down because I really love oh. the show. It's Mindy Kaling is the creator. Okay. Oh. And, yeah, and there's uh, an actor who I find very cute in that 
And, oh. and, okay, if the, okay, wait, the show is about high school, but he's not a teenager. Okay. <laughs> he's 30, so it's okay. All right. <laughs> and I think he would be perfect to play the role of Gavin if there ever were to be a Mamla oh. movie. So that's um, Darren Barnett. Yeah, check him out. He's very cute. Oh, yeah. Now I really want to watch it because I could not quite imagine who I wanted to see as Gavin. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, what's the next one? Listen, I've been listening to a new podcast about books. So that's a good one. Olivia's Book Club. Oh, okay. Awesome. Put that on my list. Yes. Yeah. They've had some really good interviews lately. Do they have any special like genre or is it all kinds of books? Um, it seems to be a lot of female authors so far. Mm -hmm. It's pretty new. So I'm no. not sure where they're going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, Jojo Moyes was uh, interviewed, and her interview was oh. so good. It was so good. I could listen to her talk all day. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay, I have to go find that one. I love yes. book podcasts. Okay, yeah. right. And, and then, then the, the Learn. Okay, so for the Learn, I picked a writing workshop, which um, is very accessible. It's the Reductress Satire Workshop. Oh, oh yeah, I know yes. the Reductress. love yes. Reductress. Oh, awesome. Have you so done that one? No, no, but now I want <laughs> to. I love the reductress. Yeah, I love the reductress. Yeah, yeah. So they have. Well, it's it's on Zoom, and it's a couple of hours, and you're in a Zoom with the other students and the reductress person, and they tell you how to write satire, which I have never done, so it was totally new for me. And I did it with a friend, um, and so that was extra fun. Yeah, that is extra fun. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Are you look listening and learning? Anything? Well, you know what? I thought I was looking at it, but I guess I'm listening to it, and I'm so bad. As an author, I am so shamed at how I never remember authors' names or books' names. <laughs> so I know the general idea. We'll get it in the show notes. I don't have my phone here to cheat. It's like the eight husbands of Evelyn. Oh, yes. Seven. Hugo. Of Evelyn. Seven, Hugo. Seven, yeah, seven, seven husbands of Evelyn. Hugo. <laughs> That's my table right now. I haven't started I'm so it. Bad. <gasps> so good. So good. So we're doing that for our book club. So I've been listening to that. Um, what have I been looking at? Oh God, I finished The Handmaid's Tale. And you're mad. I'm mad. 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 I, I had to stop watching it. I couldn't. It was too, too similar to reality. Well, <laughs> it's similar to reality, but I mean, everybody who's listened knows that I talk about this way too often. It comes up almost every week. <laughs> Just in the sense that, you know, well, the, the main thing was like, I'd already watched all three seasons and my husband's like, oh, let's watch season four together. And then he's like, let's just go real fast through seasons one through three. And he couldn't take it because it's just so hard to watch. And so it's taken forever to watch seasons one through three, but we finally got it to four. And the last episode, I don't want, I mean, it's not spoilers. I'm the last person to probably watch yeah. it, right? Yeah. But like her whole deal forever with this, she's trying to get Hannah. She's trying to get Hannah. She's trying to get Hannah, her daughter that's left stuck in Gilead. And she's got like at the very end, she this, has a bargaining. Chip. She's got a bargaining chip, all the negotiating power in the world for this trade they're doing for people across Gilead and Canada. And like Hannah never comes up. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I this am curious. The whole season point five. Of book. I think she's going back and she's going to get her. That's what I think. But they should have at least mentioned her name. I get that. Like, I get that. Like they weren't going to tie it up with a nice bow and that Hannah was going to come there. That's what I wanted. I wanted season four to end I with know, a bow. And you I just to want done. this show done. I'm you done. just want this show done. You yeah. want everybody to like walk off into happiness. Yeah, I you do. Know? It's my anti-conflictness. I'm like, let's yeah. just make it happy and done. It's Serena Joy is just going to be like, I'm so sorry. This was all a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Which becomes very clear in season four. She does not think it's a big mistake. Uh, but anyway, so uh. after everything I've been through to get this far. <laughs> and I, you're so pissed. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I don't have like the handmade backstory, but this has been pretty tragic for me in its own sense. <laughs> <laughs> that, that the finale was so disappointing. It was so disappointing. And imagine. learn, you know, I'm going to have to share a picture on our socials about this, but so um, our friend Amanda, whose house we are at right now, you'll see our back setting is much yeah. nicer than our usual setting. Yeah, it's not our closet. Because we're not at our house. Mm -hmm. Our friend Amanda, um, she was once on The Apprentice mm -hmm. uh, the Martha when, Stewart. when Martha Stewart was on there. Yeah. And she is the Martha Stewart. Yeah. Like, if you are going to come over to her house for tea, like, it is going to it's be tea. A, a tea bar. And there's going to be eight kinds of honey. Yeah. And there's going to be, yeah. And yeah. the china will have a backstory. And it's just, like, everything is so exquisite and amazing and wonderful. And I had 
the bright idea to be like, can I make you a birthday cake? <laughs> Which is just, it's beautiful. Well, it's two cakes. They're gorgeous. Thinking, she's like, that would be amazing. So she said, uh, carrot and chocolate are her favorites, which I'm sure she wasn't like, make me a chocolate, make me a carrot. But I was like, I'll do both <laughs> from scratch. And so I took my daughter to the store today to go buy stuff to make the cake. And she's like, why aren't we buying a cake mix? Like, why are we at flour? Because I'm going to Amanda. <laughs> and so, yes, I wanted it to be an Amanda worthy cake. It's downstairs. I have not tasted it yet. I will report back to y'all, but I have learned that I can make a cake from scratch. And I have also learned that it does not only take three hours because that is why I showed up at this party an hour late. Because <laughs> cakes yeah. have to cool before you can cool. frost them, apparently. Yeah. And you can't, they don't cool in the car oh, in Texas. I hit the brakes really hard and the top layer of one of the cakes went <laughs> <laughs> And don't say I hit the brakes real hard, actually, because I'm in my husband's car tonight. But... Uh, yes, so that's what yeah. I look, listen, learn. You had all three. I think I have one for tonight. <laughs> okay, well, my look is what I've watched with my children. Um, more wrestling? Actually, no, yeah, more yeah no more boxing. Um, we watched Big Shot on Disney Plus, and it's John Stamos. Oh, no. Who finally kind of looks old. Um, it finally happened. Um, <laughs> but it's so, it's so cheesy. But it was... Cute enough that we all watched it. Okay, big shot. A little bit far-fetched, but he's like a college, he's like a Bobby Knight kind of college basketball coach, and he gets in trouble and loses his job and is like not welcome in the college basketball world. So he ends up coaching an all-girls school basketball team. Why is that? that? That makes me so mad. Like, why is like the downgrade to go to coach girls? girls. Like, and there's a lot of that in like the show. Like the ultimate shame and punishment. Right, there's a lot in the show of girls. like teaching him to like, get over himself okay. and whatever but um it was fine so i watched you better disney right i would never watch that on my own but we watched that and just today my youngest son was like i kind of want a season two and the rest of us were like no <laughs> 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 um, but so let's see yeah, that's what i watched this week i haven't watched anything i have not watched anything for myself i watched that with them um and i'm finally reading cast <gasps> oh yeah 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 so the cool thing is our high school that's our like summer reading for adults and teachers is oh. cast. And so I missed our first book discussion of it, but I'm still reading along with them and I'm going to do the next book discussion with them. So I'm really curious to do that with people in our high school community. Very cool. So that's my, I guess it's kind of my look and learn. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. to learn there. Oh, it's heavy. Like I read it a little bit, like I read like a chapter a day because it's just, I want to think about it after yeah. I read it. Yeah. No, it's good. It's necessary, necessary, mandatory reading. Yeah, yeah you need to take the time to absorb it and really think about it, not just be like, okay, I yeah. read it. I did my part. Pretty much and every page. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, something that makes perfect sense and you get it, but you just never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So pretty amazing. Yes. Oh, so I'm so glad you reminded us. Yes, thank you. Thank goodness. <laughs> I told you, we tipsy ellipses, we get a little off script. We didn't yeah. do it with our brothers last time because we ran so we long ran so that long. we just, and then we got out of the habit of it. So yeah. yay, I'm so glad we got to do it. Yeah. So Well, thank you for being here. We are going to promote all the places where people can find you. And um, I don't know when this will actually go, like when we will release the audio. It will probably be early next week. Yes, because we're doing a part two. I'm not sure if you today's podcast that released yeah. um, was all about like LinkedIn and resume tips. Yeah. But there's a part two of it where <laughs> Mecca, to do with that. Mecca, the woman that we interviewed, also uh, just became a Labradoodle breeder. Yeah. <laughs> Which and we and there was a before, like the taping before we actually did the episode and the after which just went so long and there's puppies involved. So we decided to make a special episode yeah. out of it. Oh. Well, thank you so much. It was really Thanks. fun talking to both of you. I wish I could hang out with you in person. I know. One day. One day. Yeah. Let me know if you're in California. Absolutely. Oh. Maybe we'll do a writer's conference sometime. Ooh, come yeah. to Mom. Come to I'm Mom. Going to, no. Ooh. Well, I'm going to writer's conference in September in Irvine. Ooh. Very cool. Well, Texas nice. has a good one too. Yeah, we do have a great one. It's the, the Writers League of Texas. Uh -huh. And actually a friend of ours husband runs it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's amazing. It's a really awesome conference. Yeah. So oh, I think cool. it be, is it virtual? No, it is. It's real this year. Is I think. It? I can't remember what they ended up 
deciding this year, but I, I, yeah, I'm not going this year, but I can't wait to go back maybe next year. My husband won, um, one of the prizes. So he got free admission to, um, one of the conferences and I feel like they gave him the choice of this year or next year. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to go like do be all the, the things I want to yeah. be at the places. I want to do the things. So yeah. I don't want to do doing... the boiled down version. Yeah. So it's coming up in a couple months. So yeah, maybe if you need a road trip, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if Texas is on the top of my tourism list, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Let's meet. No offense. <laughs> oh my goodness. Coming out of the pandemic. My first stop is. Texas. <laughs> hey, we've got us, but we are just such a sliver away from Handmaid's Tale. Though. Oh, God, we, yeah. We got a special mind place for books that take revenge on men in power. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. It might be your perfect demo. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank it was you, such a pleasure you. meeting you. Yeah, thank you. It was really nice. Have a good evening. Thanks so much. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.